This is Ali Henney, and you're listening to Combing the Roots, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. Are all white people racist? The answer to that is yes. Stay tuned to find out why. So, white people are racist. And also, water is wet. Neither of those things are surprising, and so really, why am I even talking about this and taking an entire episode to talk about this? Well, I think that there's a little bit more to it. I think that to say that all white people are racist, I think that there's a lot of digging that we have to do within ourselves to fully understand that statement because we've experienced it. We, we've seen it on a day-to-day basis. I mean, this past Black History Month is evidence of that to some, to some measure and to some degree. Like Black History Month was 2019 was a trip. But just to say all white people are racist and kind of dust off our hands and pack it in and go home, I feel like that that's insufficient. I feel like that we really have to dig down and and understand this thing and not so much dissecting whiteness and not so much elevating whiteness as this thing and, and making it this this object that we all have to behold. But I think that we have to look at how it affects us. So even making that statement that all white people are racist, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like a little bit of a, of a tug and a little bit of a, of a pull, even as I say that, because I, I know it's true. But at the same time, it's like, oh, but I think of all of those good, benevolent white people who haven't showed their tails and who are kind to me and nice to me. And that's really the deception of whiteness. That's really the deception of this whole thing is that our culture has made racism into this violent act, which it is a violent act, but it, it's not just a violent act in terms of of overtly, like in terms of burning crosses, in terms of hurling racial slurs, in terms of flying Confederate flags and, and doing all those sorts of things that we associate with racism, nor is it kind of the more racism light version. If it's say racism light, oh my goodness, like it's like any version of racism is light, but the but then kind of the the the, the less uh, rah-rah versions, I guess, of racism where you have systemic racism, where we have the uh, school to prison pipeline where we have, I don't even know what else, like I could, I could go on and on, ecological racism, just there's so much stuff that is still harmful to black people, um, but it's not necessarily the in-your-face violence, and that's still violent. And then we have microaggressions. We have that level of racism where people say stuff and you're like, why did you just say that? Did you just say that? What, is, what, what, what was that? There's that level of racism, that, that what racism, I guess, ultralight, if you will. And that's really the problem, is that we look at racism and we realize that there's all these different types of racism because we see it and we experience it on a regular basis. And we can look at a lot of things and a lot of us have gotten really good at diagnosing whiteness and we've gotten really good at at dissecting white supremacy. Yet I feel like, and maybe maybe I am the only one, and so I'm maybe I'm just putting my business out here on Front Street. Um, you know, I'm married to a white man, and so like to think like, okay, yeah, that's a racist. Like that's that that dude. Um, he's got some racism. That's difficult for me. But at the same time, I think that we have to acknowledge, we have to say that yeah, all white people are racist. How could all white people not be racist? In fact, because of the fact that that this whole country, our whole culture, is built upon the blocks of racism. It's built on genocide. It's built on hatred. It's built on slavery. It's built on white supremacy. So how could we say that white people 
aren't racist, that somehow in, in this whole culture, in this whole thing, where even Black people, we have internalized white supremacy, that somehow there are these magical unicorns of white people who manage to live in this culture and go through this life and go to schools and watch television, go to movies, read books, be involved in any way and not just live in some sort of bubble. How can we say that there are special, there's like like the special class of white people who have gone unscathed? I don't think that we can't. I don't think that we can say, well, you know, just because somebody's my best friend or or my husband or the pastor of my church or some person in authority or some person that I really, 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 really like that and, and they're white, that somehow they're not racist. I really feel like that we that we have to come to, to terms with that because I think that in fighting white supremacy, in promoting justice, in, in really t- calling a thing a thing, I think that we have to call a thing a thing. And in calling this thing out, we have to be honest with ourselves and say that every single white person that we know has been affected in some way or another by this joint. And so then what do we do? Where does that leave us as black folks? Where does that leave us? Do we just curl up and be suspicious of every single person and and kind of be take this really like super defensive posture and get really angry and get really bitter and just lash out at everything and everyone and every idea that could possibly have whiteness or have or be associated with white people do we do we do that or do we just approach the attitude that oh well you know hey everything everybody everything is racist so we might as well just not even care and we should just kind of seep into passivity or do we seep into despair and just totally start wigging out because everything's racist everybody's racist i don't know what to do I don't know where to be. I don't know who to love. I don't know who to care about. I don't know who to trust. I think that somewhere in all of that is our answer. I think that we have to come to terms with the racism that is in our society. And in coming to terms with the racism in our society, we have to come to terms with the fact that there are people that we know, there might even be people that we that we love, people that we work with, people that we form friendships with and bonds with, who are dealing with racism, who are dealing with their own prejudices. And that's what racism is, is, is if you don't know, I'm here to tell you that racism is nothing but prejudice plus power. So we all have prejudices. We're all prejudiced about something. For instance, I'm super prejudiced whenever I start texting somebody and their phone comes up with that green bubble. I'm an iPhone user and I love my iPhone. And whenever I go to text somebody, it hurts my feelings whenever they pop off with that green bubble. And yeah, my my green bubble prejudice isn't really hurting anybody. It's not really harming anybody. And that's just an example. But I want to say, and I don't mean to trivialize racism, but I'm just saying that we all have prejudices. But racism is racial prejudice plus power. And so the difference between my personal prejudices against people, which I am working on because I know that I have them and I try to spot them, um, I, I, I work on those things, but I'm not trying to be actively prejudiced against people. But at the same time, I recognize like, yo, I live in this white supremacist culture that makes me prejudiced and makes me suspicious of people of my own race, let alone people of different races. And so 
I have that expectation for myself. And so I realized that white folks, they are living that same thing, but they're living that same thing with everybody. And so the difference between me and between my husband and between anybody else who's white is that they have the power to enact racism. They have the power to, they have the social power, the social clout to be, to be racist because that's what racism is, is prejudice plus power, like I said. And so I think that for us, as we go on this journey of understanding racism and go on this journey of, of justice and trying to pull down everything that we would see as being harmful for us, we have to be honest with ourselves. And like I said, be honest with ourselves about people that we, that we know, because I think that white supremacy has been able to get a foothold because we continue to say, well, yeah, racism is a thing but then do we absolve are we absolving the white people in our lives of their racism are we absolving them of their casual prejudices are we absolving them of the ways the myriad ways in which they imbibe a racist culture and don't have to see any repercussions for that so i want to talk about this a little bit more after the break segment, I raised the question of whether or not black people too easily absolve white people of their racism. And I think that the answer to that is yes, but I think that there's a little bit more to it than that. I think that we are easy on white people, not because we want to be, but because it's a matter of survival, really. White fragility is a thing. And anytime you say anything to white people about being racist, about being insensitive, or any of the myriad ways in which we try to couch, hey, you're doing something that is ratchet, can you stop? White people go all to pieces. I mean, they go all to pieces like Bucky after the Thanos snap. They just completely melt, they completely fall apart, and they get violent. And it is a lot. And even the ones who don't get violent, the amount of emotion labor that we have to do to reassure them that they're okay, it sometimes makes it not even worth it to go through it with people. I mean, half the time, I don't even want to go back and forth with people. Whenever somebody says something, whenever somebody does something, whenever they're just being white normative or whatever, it's just, it costs a lot less to just keep your mouth shut. And I'm not saying that we, us keeping our mouth shut somehow inflicts white supremacy upon ourselves. I, I want to make sure that I think I might have said something in, this, in the last segment that might have drawn that conclusion. And that's actually not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that our reluctance to deal with white supremacy, our reluctance to call people out is really a result of the emotional abuse that we suffer from white people. So we know that if we call them out, they will flip out. We know that if we say, yo, that is a problem, there is a good chance that we will have to go through some stuff, first of all, to even prove to them that what they said is a problem, let alone going through all the emotional fallout if once they realize that they've said or done something racist, having to having to bind their wounds and having to like for, for a black woman, I feel like it's like we have to be their emotional mammy and we have to and we have to say like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You know, it's, it's okay. I know we, we sick, but, it, but it's going to be okay. We, and, and there's this whole thing that we, there's this whole song and dance that we have to go through because whiteness dictates and demands that we go through it. 
and maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, well, that isn't me. Then if, and if that's not you, then please, you know, give me a call and tell me what you're doing. Because I feel like that, that even the most blackity black, even the most, I'm just out here, just, I'm going to tell, I'm going to call a thing, the thing, even the most that of us, we realize that there is an emotional cost to that. I call white people out on their racism all the time. And there are still times whenever I see something and I'm just like, I'm just going to move on by. I just raise my little church finger like, okay, well, I'm just going to excuse myself, put my hand behind my back. I'm going to excuse myself because I don't want to have to deal with this nonsense. There's times that like on Facebook, friends will call me into stuff and I'm just like, oh man, I don't have the strength. I do not have the strength to deal with another fragile white person in the middle of their white fragility fit. And so if you're somebody that somehow you manage to always and every point at every point recognize white supremacy and at every point confront that white supremacy, then you deserve a medal. You deserve the glory, the honor and the power, everything to you. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Like, I mean, for real, like you, the real MVP. Because I know that I cannot do that. I know that there are times whenever I just have to say, for peace's sake, I'm just, let me just get through this because I don't, I, I see this and I'm just going to pretend like I don't because I just, I'm sleep. Like I, I'm sleep right now because I just don't have the, I just don't have the strength. And so if you're somebody that you're able to, to do that every single time and, and it's not costing you your job, it's not costing you your, your mental well-being, your emotional well-being, that, that's great. But um, I, I, I have a feeling, I have a suspicion that most of us have been in that boat at one time or another when somebody has said something just completely, just completely out of line. And the, the, the question becomes, do I say something and then have to do the whole thing? Or do I keep my mouth shut? and keep on keeping on and just and just let it blow and maybe there'll be and maybe and maybe it'll be okay and for those moments i i think that we we have to look into that we have to dissect that because that is a real true thing and i really feel like that it is the result of emotional abuse i think that a lot of us go through gaslighting with white people white people gaslight us whenever we tell them hey yo that's racist and they're like no it's not it's actually this and this and this and the other that's gaslighting or whenever people minimize whenever we say hey that's really that's a problem and people are like oh you you always say that things are racist you always blah 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 that's minimizing and those are emotional abuse tactics like let's just call a thing a thing and so there are some of y'all that are in relationships where you have called something out and people have minimized stuff and you have been like oh okay well maybe it's not the thing i know that there's been times whenever i've been talking to my husband about race and he said stuff i'm like look no stop you don't understand what you are talking about you are being an entire white man right now i've said that to him because it's been the truth and my the way that my my marriage is set up is that we are honest with one another i am bluntly honest with my husband and so uh, so that and that's not to say like well somehow you know this is the one white man that doesn't no, I'm not saying that because there's times whenever he, whenever he is, he, he gets in white man mode and I'm like, dude, you are being an entire white man right now. Like you gotta, you gotta pump the brakes. You have to see this a different, a different way. Like we, I need you to see this and to hear this a different way. And thankfully the way my husband is set up is that he pumps the brakes. He takes a deep breath. He pumps the brakes. And then we, and then we dissect it and we, and we go through it. But some of y'all don't have that right. don't have that freedom. And it might not just be like a relationship, like a, a, an, intim- an intimate relationship, like a husband or a boyfriend. It might be family relationships. It might be that, that your, your, your brothers, your, your sister-in-law is white and, and she says stuff 
and you have to deal with her abuse whenever whenever you try to call out call her out on it or maybe you're dealing with people in your in your workplace or maybe there's people who go to your church or who are at your place of worship that you admire and that you respect who are white people but they do things that are emotionally abusive and so i know that that's tough and that might be a bitter pill for some of y'all to swallow but we have to call a thing a thing because whenever people minimize your experience Whenever people try to tell you that the things that you saw and sensed and smelled and touched, the things that you could observe with your own senses, and somebody tells you that it's not that, that's gaslighting. And that is a problem and that is wrong. And I just want to name that because maybe somebody needs to hear that today, that the things that you've said and then people have said, oh, well, no, that's not it. And you've been like, oh, maybe it's not. And you felt like, well, maybe I'm crazy, but I really feel like the people around me are super racist and people have convinced you that that you're that they're not. Maybe you need to hear that, that that is a form of of abuse. And so we have to do things to help protect ourselves. And I'm not saying protect ourselves in this self-protective type and enclose ourselves in this hermetically sealed bubble where we don't ever associate with anybody that is white or we don't ever associate with anybody who has the potential to hurt us. That's not what I'm saying. I think that we can go too far on that. Now, now hear what I'm saying. Hear, hear what I'm not saying. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that we don't have to protect ourselves and, and get in a hermetically sealed bubble and just put up all these walls and defenses all the time in every single relationship. But we do have to protect ourselves and put ourselves in the bubble sometimes because there are people who genuinely are toxic. There are people out there who are not going to change no matter what you tell them, no matter how much education you give them, no matter how many coffees you go out with them for or whatever it is that that people do. They're not going to change. They have no intent to change. They are fully invested in their white supremacy and they are fully invested in making you feel bad because they're prejudiced. And so those types of people you got to get rid of. Those types of people you have to cancel, you have to you have to step away from, you have to say. But there are people legitimately, I believe that operate in good faith and maybe not good faith, but they but they but they operate in the in the with the currency of well, maybe if I understand, I can I can get better. And so there's a whole bunch of implications to that. And so I want to I want to talk about how we deal with this, how we deal with white people who are racist pretty much all the time. More after the break. segment, I talked about how white fragility is a form of violence and how racism is a form of emotional abuse. And so now I want to talk a little bit about how we navigate that. And so first, I think that we need to go back to this concept of racism being emotional abuse, because it's a very heady and heavy concept. I think that even we could probably have a whole other podcast episode or series or something on that topic itself. But Racism definitely displays some attributes of emotional abuse. The the two that I can think of right off the top of my head are gaslighting and minimizing. And if you don't know what those things are, I encourage you to look them up because you'll be like, you know, and apply them to racism and you'll be like, whoa, yeah, that's it. That's a thing. And so I think that that racism as emotional abuse, I think that first of all, I need to say that what I'm about to say, I don't think really applies to any other form of abuse. So please do not apply what I'm going to say to any other form of abuse that doesn't have to do with racism. 
Um, but but here, what I'm what I'm saying with this is that I think that that with racism as emotional abuse, that there is sort of a line of demarcation that we have to draw. So white supremacy is a system. It's something that is baked into our culture. It's baked into pretty much everything that we do in America. And so that is a learned behavior. It's something that white people don't have, like none of us have to learn white supremacy. None of us have to learn anything about white supremacy. White people don't have to learn anything about how to enact or maintain white supremacy because it is is baked into everything. And we just know how certain interactions go. We just know how it all goes down. And so there are people who are actively working to keep that. There are people who are actively working to make sure that white supremacy stays alive and well. Um, I think that that probably is a numerical minority of white people, but most white people sort of fit into this into this place of neutrality where they are not actively dismantling their own white supremacy and they're not actively dismantling their own white centeredness and their and their own white normativity and so in that they are still actors of racism and so the people who are they they tacitly they just want to be racist those people are canceled completely 100% without like we don't even have to ask any questions about that they're just they're just canceled we don't have to say i mean now if they decide to take themselves out of that category then okay we can have a discussion but the people who want to be in that discussion they're canceled like they, we don't have to deal with them. We don't have to be in community with them. We don't have, we don't owe them anything. But as we get into the the more middle categories of you have these people who they are, they are just ignorant. They don't, they don't see that white supremacy is a thing and they don't see the ways in which that they are complicit in those things. And we work with those people. I don't think that there's any facet of society in which a black person can totally interact at all times with another black person. I don't think that there's, I, don't, I just don't think that that exists in the United States. I think that for most black people, we are in spaces and places where we are interacting with white people in some shape, form, or fashion. We're interacting with them. And in most space, most of those spaces, we're in some type of community with them. So it could be a school, it could be a place of worship, it could be clubs or, or different affiliations. It can, it can even be in, in workspaces where we have coworkers and, and bosses and administrators and everyone else who are white. And so I think that all of us interact in some shape, form, or fashion. And I would say that it's the minority of Black people who, in most of their interactions, only ever interact with Black people. I could be wrong about that. But I, I think that most of us would, would relate to that. I think that, that racism and, and talk about racism is so ubiquitous. There are so many things in the Black experience with that that we talk about that has to do with racism that I think that most of us we wouldn't be dealing with these things if we were only ever interacting with black people. And so that creates a thing because we have people who don't recognize their own white supremacy. They don't recognize the problematic nature of their thoughts and actions and yet they are in community with us in some shape or form and we are in community with them in some shape or form and then even we might build relationships with them. We might have friendships, we might have intimate relationships relationships with them. They might be, they might be, you know, our, our besties or whatever, like, because I'm assuming that like, that's what white people like call, call like their best friends. And I guess if you have like a white friend, that's like your best friend, they're not just like your best friend, they're, they're your bestie. And so like we, like you, you might have a best friend that is white or, or people who are really close to you or people who are in your place of worship or whatever it is that, that are white. And so there's these, these tight relationships that we have. And most of the most of the white people that you have in, in those relationships, most of them probably fall into that category 
where they are wholly unaware of their own internalized white supremacy and they're wholly unaware of the ways in which they're complicit and in ways in which they maintain white supremacy. And so how do we navigate that space of dealing with those people? I think that it's really difficult. I think that it is so tough to be in these spaces because white people, they dominate a lot of things. They they they, they dominate everything really. If we're if we're really honest about it, but they but they 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 tend to be forces of nature in these spaces. And so whenever you have a white person who is unaware of their complicity in white supremacy and they enact racism against you, whether it's, I mean, we're going to pretend like what we're going to talk about just at the, at the level of microaggression, realizing that, and I say levels, I really shouldn't even put levels on it. You know, I'm not going to put levels on it. Whenever they do things that, whenever they do the things that white people do and they're in the common experiences that we all have with white people, whenever those things, when white people, white people, whenever white people, white people, we have this whole this whole thing that we, at least for me, I, I shouldn't speak for everybody. I have this whole thing that I go through whenever it's like, okay, white people are white peopling. How do I handle this? Because it can be emotionally exhausting to call out every little thing and to deal with every little thing. And I'm of the opinion, and this is just me, that sometimes I think that we have to swallow a few gnats, like not real gnats, but sometimes like, like there's a verse in the Bible where Jesus talks about how we, people will strain out gnats, but then swallow a whole camel, basically meaning that they that they will take and and pull out like the little things that are problematic while ignoring the big things. And so for me, it's like, I, I think that sometimes we might have to swallow a few gnats and we might just say, you know, there's there's like a bigger thing that is going on. So, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slump this big thing or I'm going to lump this small thing that's happening so that I can have the resources to deal with the big thing. And so I think that for a lot of us, it is critical that we that we know how to do that and that we and that not that we know how to swallow an ass because maybe you're somebody who's like no i am not swallowing i'm not swallowing an ass and i'm gonna do and i'm gonna call out every little thing and if that's and if that's you then maybe this this advice isn't for you but i know that for me there are times whenever i just have to close my eyes whenever and, I, and i'm saying that and maybe you're like well you know what you're not like whatever enough I I really don't care. Like there's times whenever I see things and I just have to close my eyes and keep on keeping on because I do not have the energy to go back and forth with somebody on something. I don't have the energy to sit and unpack something that is that is racist for them because and I'm like, you know, I have other things to do. And there's some people that I know they're not in the place to accept it. There's some people that I have that I have put relationally, I've put sort of on the back burner. So whenever they're on Facebook, saying stuff that is that is ratchet i just ignore it because i don't have the emotional energy to go to that person and pour out and basically be talking to a wall so i just ignore that and i just and and some and i hate that that does that what that does to other people is that that says that for, for other white people it says that those things are okay and then for other black people who might be friends with that person that person they, they have to deal with that violence that, that those black people have to deal with that violence i hate that um, but for my peace, for, for my, for my emotional health, I just say, you know what, I'm just not going to deal with that. Um, but there are people who I'm maybe a little bit closer to that I, who I'm maybe in relationship with a little bit more that I will say, and some of it just like, like where I know that they, that they have a heart that's willing to receive what I have to say. I will say something and I will say, yeah, no, don't say that. Yeah, no, don't do that. And then the people that I, that I let close to me, the people that I let in my circle, the white folks I let in my circle, they know that I could call them out at any point on anything that they say and do. 
And so with that said, I really don't have a whole lot of like close white friends. I have a lot of white associates. I have a lot of white people with whom I associate. And it doesn't mean that I'm not their friend. It doesn't mean that I don't love them and that I don't care about them because I do. I love them. I care about them. But they're associates um, that I have very few, very few white friends or very few white people even that I that I trust to have in kind of a circle of of confidence or kind of a circle of of yeah I can I can trust you if I if I bring this issue to you there's that it's it's very few and those very few people those very few white people who are in that space are people who have proven themselves I'm not like put them through tests and trials they just have proven themselves to me that that if I say that something's racist they're going to believe me I'm not going to have to convince them because they're going to believe me immediately they don't they're they're if I say yo this is racist they're going to believe me sight unseen that something is racist and they might have to do work to understand why it's racist, but they are going to believe me that it's racist. They, these people, they, they know my, my experience. They know that I, I trust them, that if I share something with them that has happened to me, that is a, a racial microaggression or something like that, I trust them that they are not going to defend white supremacy, but that they are going to weep and lament with me as I am weeping and lamenting. Or they're going to be angry with me as I am angry <laughs> about what it, whatever it is I'm going through. And so that that group of people is very, 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 very small. But I have a lot of white associates because I'm in a lot of spaces that are white. And so I, and so I say all that to say that sometimes emotional health for us means just navigating who we can let close to us. And it might mean letting some people go. It might mean there are some people that I love, that I, that I love their personality. I love their spirit. I love most of the things that they have to say, but I realize that there's this one element that is toxic and I can't predict that. And so I'm just going to kind of like, I'm just going to keep them on, I'm going to keep them at arm's length. And yeah, people say, you know, they, they say this whole thing, well, you know, if people can't hurt you, then they can't, whatever. There, no, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I wish I had the time left to unpack the whiteness in that statement. I believe that absolutely, yes, we have to be vulnerable with one another. And as we're vulnerable with one another, there's, that certainly opens us up to being to being hurt because people might reject our vulnerability. But I don't think that we have to put ourselves in relationship with people who are just going to be violent to us. And they're not going to care that they're violent to us, even if they're good people, because there can be you can be a good person and still be racist. And I think that for black people, we have to understand that racism ain't a binary state. I think that a lot of us have bought the hype that racism is some sort of binary state. And so we so we label people as racist or not racist. And so it's like, well, my friend over here, my friend Jackie, like she's not racist. But then you deal with a whole lot of racist nonsense from your friend Jackie. And it's like, no, she's like, like if, if you deal with racist nonsense from somebody, then they're racist. And I mean, the fact that, like I said, top podcast, you know, white people are racist, white people, they have prejudices. And so that makes them racist. And so there's like a baseline of racism that every single white person possesses. And so we have to come to terms with that because we have bought into the hype that white people aren't racist because they, because they're kind to us. A lot of us have bought into that hype and we need, and we have to stop. We can't buy that hype. We have to realize that there's a baseline of racism that every single white person deals with. There's a, there's a baseline of, of racism that every single white person possesses in their mind. And they have to divest and dismantle that. And I think that that people have beyond the baseline, because you say, oh, well, there's a baseline level. Well, if they just dismantle that baseline level, then it's gone. That's not true. 
it's it took 400 plus years for this country for us to build a system of racism one lone white person in their how many ever years old lifespan has not done they, they have not undone 400 years of messaging that has compounded over all these years they just they just haven't undone it in their in their lifetime nor should we expect to fully undo it in our lifetime which is why we have to pace ourselves and not just go on a rampage and try to to, to try to take whiteness out of every single thing because you know, you'll you'll die like you like i want you to stay here i want you to be here you sometimes like i said you have to close your eyes you have to close your eyes and you have to say I'm not, it's not that you're closing your eyes and, and you're be, and you're going back to sleep and you're like closing your eyes and getting to the sunken place. But sometimes you just have to say, you know, what, I'm going to pick my battles and choose to pick your battles with people who care and choose to pick your battles with people who want you to win and choose to pick your battles with people who actually care about working on themselves. Now, with that said, I don't think that we just kind of, you know, say, okay, well, we're only going to work on on our little circle of of people because that leaves a whole lot of racist people out there. It leaves a whole lot of, let me, let me re- rephrase that, that leaves a whole lot of p- ignorant people out there. It leaves a whole lot of people who are just racially ignorant. Like they have no idea that that white supremacy and racism exists. They had no idea that white, that racism was still a thing. That leaves a whole lot of those people out there. So I think that as we are able to, as we have the, the, the spoons to, as we have the 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 anti-racist spoons to be able to deal with these things we do have to go out and we do have to call out these things and we do have to kind of seek out some of those associates we do have to seek out some of those people and say you know what yeah that's a that's the thing you just said a thing that was not okay you just did a thing that wasn't okay and i'm going to call you out on it and we have to do that but in doing that we don't have to be anybody's mammy don't be somebody's racial emotional white fragility mammy don't do that don't do that stuff White people will tell you, white people, white people, especially I think white women are, are very guilty of this, is making us their mammies. They, they, they mess up and so they want us to hold their hand and they want us to pat their hair and they want us to, to make them feel better for being, for being a racist. And in a lot of ways, they want to turn the problem of racism back onto us. And I think that we cannot allow white people to turn their racism back onto us and make their racism our problem because their racism isn't our problem i mean it is our problem because we're because we're dying for it but it's but dealing with their racism is not our problem and so we have to hold that mirror up and say look no no son look in the mirror this is you this is all this is all you this is all you and your folks. And so you have to, you have to dismantle, you have to divest, you have to repent, you have to repair. That's, that's what we have to be. So don't be somebody's emotional punching bag. Don't allow yourself to, to be that person that is constantly in that space, constantly standing in the gap for white people who refuse to understand. At the same time, realize that there are, yeah, there are times whenever we're going to have to go out and we're going to have to be courageous and we're going to have to call some things out and we're going to have to deal with some people and snatch some wigs and gather some edges because that's just that we, we, we have to do that because if we don't, then that, that, that group, because there's only so many of us and there's a whole lot of them. So we do have to go out there. But then also I'll say this and I'll end on this note. 
is that we don't have to do it all. We can empower our white friends, those, those people, those close, those close friends that some of us might have. We can empower them to be able to go out and collect their cousins. And yes, we still might have to do some work. We still might have to do some handholding and, and some babysitting, kind of like, okay, yeah, but you need to call this out, but you need to push harder on this. And that's a whole other discussion. But really the basis, I mean, I can't, I, I'm wanting to like say all the things and push everything out, but I can't do that. Um, I can't, I can't push all the things out and say, this is exactly how we deal with this. But this is, it's a, it's a, it's a small portion. It's a small, very small, very flawed view of this. So I, I hope that you've gotten something out of this time. I hope that something that I've said today maybe has, has, has edified you, has, has lifted you up, has, has blessed you, has given you a little bit of strength, a little bit of pep in your step. Um, a little bit of slide in your stride. I hope that that this empowers you. So I'm going to sign off for now. So I'll talk to y'all later. Combing the Roots is powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. Special thanks to executive producers Tyler Burns and Bo York. Catch up with what I'm doing on these internet streets by visiting AllieHenny.com. There you'll be able to connect to my Twitter feed, my Instagram, and my Facebook writers page. I'm your host, Allie Henney. Peace.